0: Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life giving and life changing. Take care. All right. What a great time of worship that was. Man, man. I want to just take a moment. I, I felt this during worship, and, and maybe this is the case for you, but uh, that, that last song. Um, he's such a good good father maybe you came in this morning you're just discouraged i I just feel like there's a few people maybe many that are discouraged this morning and you need to just be wrapped up in god's love that good good father kind of love and i just want to pray for you right now you don't have to stand or do anything or respond but just open your heart right now to what god has for you lord i pray right now for those that uh, came discouraged today Maybe they're here because life is tough and things are going sideways. Whatever the case may be, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless those folks that are right now experiencing that discouragement. And God, you say in your word that you are the lifter of our heads. You're the hope of our lives. And I pray right now that you bring that hope, that you lift those heads. And God, that you just wrap your love around those that are feeling frustrated, discouraged, um, depressed, Anxious whatever the case may be in the name of Jesus. I pray you bless them right now, and I thank you for it Amen and amen Amen. Yeah, praise God Well, we are in the midst of a, a really cool initiative that we're calling the 1040 prayer initiative and that 1040 prayer initiative it is uh, all about praying for 10 people for 40 days starting last Wednesday up to Easter and those 10 people are 10 people that we would love to see first meet Jesus and come to church. And so that's who we're praying for. And this is my list, um, that, and, and it's, a, it's a great list. Um, I found out that this week I need to keep, you know, like two or three cards because I have so many people in my life that I want to see meet Jesus. And, uh, and so I'm praying and praying hard. And I want to just take a moment to pray one of these prayers. If you haven't already gotten this list, There is 20 ways to pray for someone, 20 ways to pray for someone and and for yourself. So because we're not only asking God to uh, bless these people and and introduce himself to them, but we're also asking God to give us the opportunity to invite them, invite them to meet Jesus, invite them to come to church, and uh, we would love to see it uh, on Easter. And so that's a very, very exciting. So I just want to encourage you. And, and we're on day five today. And so I'm going to read the, 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 just the little title of the um, prayer guide and then the scripture, and then we're going to pray. Okay? So pray that God would free them from the slavery of sin. How many of you know we've all been set free, right? We've all been, we were all slaves to sin. And those of us that have been able to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He set us free from that slavery we no longer are slaves to sin and so I praise God for that and that's what we want for those of us those are our friends our co-workers our family our enemies whoever we want to see God do a work in their lives so let's pray right now for our friends your 1040 card you probably have in your head and uh, let's pray for them And just believe God's gonna do some great things. God, we just come to you today and we pray for these that are on our cards. We pray for those, that the 10 people or more, that we are praying for so that you would bring life to their hearts. And we pray that you would set them free from the slavery of sin. We believe, God, that uh, sin held, holds us captive. We believe that sin separates us from you. And we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would uh, set us all free, set our friends, our coworkers, our our family members, our enemies, whoever we're praying for, that you would set them free from the slavery of sin. And God, we believe in Romans six seventeen that says, but thanks be to God that through you, Uh, Though you used to be slaves to sin You have come to obey from your heart The pattern of teaching That has now claimed your allegiance We are no longer No longer slaves to sin We celebrate that And we pray for that For others in our lives And we give you all the glory And all the praise In Jesus name Amen And amen Woo Yeah That's how you do that That's how you pray For 10 people for 40 days We've given you 21 20 days 20 ways to do that and you can just repeat it after that it's kind of like shampooing rinse lather repeat right or lather rinse repeat okay however that works Um, uh, just use that however that works okay all right we have a a document and if you haven't seen the document it's online it's called our vision narrative our vision narrative, now what a vision narrative is, is it tells the story of what our church is going to be like. A vision is a preferred future. A vision is something that you see that you're going to aim at, that you're going to become, not just what you are right now, but a vision, a direction that, uh, that, that we are using this document that's guiding our thoughts, our leadership, our choices, our, our spending, everything. is is guided by this vision document, and we want you to all access it online. You You can go online and find that vision narrative, and right there you can see where Journey Church is going. A vision does one thing that's really, really important, and that is the Bible says that without vision, people perish, or the literal translation is without vision, people throw off restraint. In other words, they have nothing that keeps them going in the same direction. And so vision allows us all to be on the same page, going in the same direction, holding and maintaining the same values and moving forward so that we're all going to the same place. Without vision, everybody goes their own place and that just disperses and it it takes away from the energy of the church. It takes away from the focus of the church. And so here are three statements I want you to hear this morning about the vision narrative These are vision narrative statements of ours that are guiding us and will apply to this message today. So we've used the term we see a church. We see a church and then the vision. We see a church who is recognized by its love for God and people. That's a simple statement, right? It's like, it's almost like a duh, you know, of course. If you're not that, you're not a church really, you know. um, We see a church who is recognized by its love for God and people. Secondly, we see a church who equips people to effectively enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. We see a church who equips people to effectively enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Our mission statement, this is is a portion of our mission statement as a church, that we exist, Journey Church exists to enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness, while at the same time growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And so we would fall short of our mission if we didn't equip people to do it and to be a part of it. And so that's the second part of a, a vision narrative. And then thirdly, we see a church who relentlessly finds and fills the needs of Ventura County, unafraid to merge into the lives of those who think and live differently. A church who is full of grace and truth, one that is unwilling to soften the gospel truth but maintains a tender heart for people in all circumstances. Did you hear that? You hear that last part? A church who is full of grace and truth, one that is unwilling to soften the gospel truth but maintains a tender heart for all people in all circumstances. Today we start a series called Unlikely. Unlikely. Unlikely moments with Jesus. We're gonna go through a series of stories of, in Scripture where Jesus has these unlikely moments with unlikely people. How many know you're probably an unlikely person? <laughs> you, want to, you ever think of yourself that way? I'm kind of an unlikely guy. I know I am. I, I, I tell people, uh, especially high school friends that I had that um, were, and I, I grew up in, in Saugus, California, just 40 miles uh, east of here, and I uh, grew up there. And um, during high school, I, I, was, uh, I went to church, but I was not a Christ follower, and uh, that came out in a lot of different areas of my life. And I tell people today that I'm a pastor, and they're like, whoa, well, what, what? <laughs> I could go back to the Wait What series and go, wait, what? And, uh, and, and they're like, oh, really? Yeah, Jesus has made a difference in my life. I'm an unlikely individual. I'm an unlikely person that people wouldn't have thought you're, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to be a Christian even and give your life to the, a life of, of Christ likeness. And um, <clears throat> so being an unlikely person is really all of us. Because if, if we admit it, we didn't deserve and don't deserve grace. In fact, when we get grace, it's getting something we don't deserve. When we get mercy, which we sang about, we, we, that means we're not getting something we do deserve. Mercy is not getting the punishment that we should get. It's, it's, it's not giving your child the spanking that they deserve or the, the discipline they deserve. And when you get that to, to that point, when you, when you realize that you've been given something that you don't deserve and you realize that you didn't get what you do deserve you really appreciate that but in reality all of us are unlikely people undeserving of the grace that we've received and so we're gonna have uh, we're gonna preach in the next seven weeks um, leading up to Easter we're going to talk about unlikely moments with Jesus and the big thought behind unlikely is this is that Jesus crossed cultural norms and boundaries to to reveal himself to others. The need for people to know him and those who needed his touch caused him to oftentimes cross lines of comfort. That's the meaning of this series. That Jesus crossed cultural norms and boundaries to reveal himself to others. The need for people to know him and those who needed his touch caused him to oftentimes Cross lines of comfort? Have you ever been made uncomfortable in loving and ministering to people? Because that's really what the call is to it's to come to people who are undeserving and unlikely, but whom God wants to love, change, deliver, set free, give the hope of eternal life, and give the hope of salvation. That's what God wants to do. And that's what makes them unlikely because most, none of us deserve, none of us really have a, a, a resume that says, oh yeah, that guy belongs in heaven. That gal belongs in heaven. None of us have that. If we were to give our spiritual resume without Jesus, oh, don't turn it in. The big question for this series, and this will be a question we try and answer throughout the series, is what boundaries or lines of comfort must we tear down so people who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness can meet him? What boundaries or lines of comfort must we tear down so people who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness can meet him? That's the question this series is gonna try and answer now, here's what unlikely moments look like. They are often outside of cultural norms or boundaries. They're often what you expect people to, to be like or to look like or to feel like. Um, you cross those boundaries. And, and it's, it's like, where, where, do I, where do I go to find people that don't know Jesus? Where do I go to meet people that don't know Christ? Christ well where they are (laughs) you know if you want to catch trout don't go out into the ocean because they're not there they're in the fresh water they're in the fresh water so if you want to go catch trout you can't go out in the ocean and put your line in and use all the trout stuff that you have in your in your tackle box and expect trout to jump on the line they're not going to do it and as a result, we often want to, to go fishing and g- find people, but we don't go to the places where they are, we go to the places where we want to be. And so we have to go to places that are uncomfortable. We have to go to places that cross those cultural boundaries. And of course, we're not asking anyone to go place uh, someplace where your weakness is. Did you hear that? Don't go where you're weak. If you're an alcoholic, you don't go to bars. You know, yeah, duh. But in all reality, God is going to ask us to cross these boundaries of comfort. Some unlikely moments take the opportunity to see something out of the ordinary. Look for things that are odd, strange, out of the ordinary unusual push ourselves we need to push ourselves to places and opportunities that will cause us to go well i don't know what's going to happen here it's a white knuckler you climb that hill up that roller coaster and you're going i don't know if i should have done this then you get to that pinnacle right at the top right and you go i know i shouldn't have done this and then you hit that hill and then it just goes straight down. I love, I love Six Flags. I love Magic Mountain. And you go down that, and you're you like, I never should have done this. This is awesome. That's what it's like to get out of your comfort zone. That's what it's like to be, go beyond that cultural norm and say, God, use me in a place that I'm unfamiliar with, that I'm uncomfortable with, that I don't know what's going to happen. There are unlikely moments or moments of surprise. Unlikely moments reject discomfort and touch the life of someone with God's love regardless of the boundary. Unlikely moments, they see a need and meet it. You may never have imagined yourself meeting a certain need in somebody's life, but you see it. And as soon as you see it, James says, if you don't do something about that, what good is it? Oh, I'm praying for you, go on your way. When you have the means to meet that need, wow. The Bible tells us to stretch ourselves and go in faith and meet that need. Unlikely moments, see the potential of a miracle and pray for it. I think I mentioned, maybe it was on Wednesday night, I mentioned I, last week I talked about when we do our 1040, to find out the name of somebody that you might see on a street corner. I was driving down Main Street, and I'm not trying to, I'm I'm only doing this as an example. I was driving down Main Street, and a gentleman was pushing his wheelchair with one leg. He had the other leg amputated. And uh, I heard myself preaching I said, Ricardo, you better stop. Because if you don't, you're a hypocrite. So I did. And turned around and I, I met Philip. Philip, I think, may already know Jesus. I'm not quite sure. But I met him and I got to talk to him and I got to pray with him. And I gave him a be my guest card. If you don't have those, you need to get these, these little round cards. They fit perfectly in your wallet. Handed one to a Starbucks guy this morning. He, said, he asked, it was a brave question he asked. He goes, what are you doing today? He had no idea what he was asking. <laughs> he says, are you on your way to work? I said, yep. He said, what do you do? I'm a pastor. <laughs> and when you don't work, here's a card. <laughs> Come and join me. And it was cool to invite him. Unlikely moments. I had a great time with Philip and invited him to church. And he said, I don't know if I'll be there, but I'll take your card. I have a friend. His name is Brian Dolman. I read this on his um, Instagram account this week. And he said simply this. He says, I wonder if the entire history of God's people is about wrestling, about the wrestling of inclusion versus Exclusion. Not God's wrestling, but God's people. And then he asked a series of questions. Who will we love? Who will we hate? Who will we include? Who will we exclude? Who can come to the table? And why are we blocking them? It's a really interesting question that that Brian's asking and I think he's trying to address our culture right now that's kind of a cancel culture. Who's welcome, who's not welcome, who's in, who's out, all those kinds of things. And the church has to be the counter to this experience. This church can't be asking and any church shouldn't be asking who's in, who's out. Who's welcome, who's not welcome? Who has the right thinking? Who has the wrong thinking? We are about loving people. And that means we are about loving all people. The big thought for today's message in the unlikely moment with Jesus is being a Jesus follower is going to challenge us to put down our fears and prejudices and embrace this reality. Jesus wants all people to come to a knowledge of his love grace, and forgiveness. The amens are trickling. But let me read it again. Being a Jesus follower is going to challenge us to put down our fears and our prejudices and embrace this reality. Jesus wants all people to come to a knowledge of his love, grace, and forgiveness. Oh. Phew. Thought we we're gonna to have to have an altar call right there. Second Peter three, eight and nine says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, some understand slowness. He's talking about his coming back. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everyone to come to repentance. Do you see that? He wants everyone. He's not slow as some think slow is. A, a, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is, is a day. That's, that's what eternity looks like. And he's not slow in coming back. No, he's waiting. He's waiting for you and for me to do our job, and that is to be a witness. And that is to help lead as many people as absolutely possible to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So the question is, this is a crazy question, why is the unlikely more likely to be the experience for us when loving those around us? Why is the unlikely more likely to be the experience for us when loving those around us? I think... The simple answer is this, is that because there are so many people out there that we couldn't imagine being being Christians, but those are the ones that Jesus wants to reach. And there's probably many that you could imagine being Christians, and he wants to reach them too. In John chapter 7, verse 53, we find a unique passage of Scripture and it starts with this idea that this, uh, the, 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 taber- the Feast of Tabernacles is just finished. That's a feast of celebration of the end of harvest. And all of Jerusalem would come together and they they would, um, all, the, all the Jews would get together and they would build these little tents or these little tabernacles and they would use them as celebration points for um, at the end of harvest. They would have a great time. I used to live on a farm for three and a half years and uh, we would harvest wheat and we would um, brand cattle and all these kinds of things. We'd harvest the wheat, and we'd have this big celebration. There would be this big, huge meal after the last truck was loaded and, and, and dumped at uh, the, the silos in town. And there would be this big celebration, steaks and all kinds of stuff on the table, and we'd celebrate. It was kind of like a feast of tabernacles. And so this was the end of that, and verse 53 says, Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And so we start this story with Jesus going to the Mount of Olives, which is his normal place. If you, if you read through Scripture, uh, most people think that he was either going there to visit a friend or to pray, most likely to pray, because that's what he did on the Mount of Olives. He prayed. And I think it's important that we understand that because we're doing the 1040 initiative, this is a 1040 prayer initiative. This is not a 1040 think about initiative. This is a 1040 prayer initiative where we're praying specifically for 10 people for 40 days. And if we don't do it, we're not plowing ground. We can't reach people for Christ without Christ and his involvement in the whole process. And and the the thing that moves God's hand is prayer. And so I encourage you to keep praying and, and pray hard. And realize that if Jesus needed to pray, so do we. then in verse 2 it says this it says at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them are you familiar with the word influencer it's a cultural term right now because um, influencers are uh, people today that are on the internet or on it, they're, they're either using um, TikTok or they're using Instagram or they're using Twitter. They're using all kinds of platforms and social media. And as a result of these, in these platforms, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And you can be a TikTok person and you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars just being silly and goofy and, and, and crazy. And as long as you get enough followers, then you're an influencer. Well, Jesus is an influencer. At dawn, and he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. He's an influencer. Now, there's influencers in this world. Let me, let me just give you a little picture of the influencers in this world right now. There's one influencer who has 227 million followers. His name is PewDiePie. PewDiePie. And he just does crazy things. There's another one called um, Winderson Nunes, 77.2 million followers. And all he does is funny posts and parodies. There's another guy named Logan Paul, 56 million, who does humor and surprise. He, he, he pulls pranks on people. And then there's another one called El Rubius, 61.7 million followers. And he does humorous memes, just pictures with little things on them. Now, these guys pale in comparison to Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you know who he is? Very, very famous soccer player. 406 million followers. Yes. That's more than the population of the United States. Justin Bieber, 362 million followers. Taylor Swift, 316. Ariana Grande, 316 million followers. Jesus has more than a billion followers. <laughs> you ain't nothing, Ariana Grande. You ain't nothing compared to Jesus. He's an influencer. Verse 3 goes, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the, law of Mo- in, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. I, th- I think, first of all, you have to ask where is the man in the deal? Because in the law, what they left out was that the law of Moses says to stone both of them. And this isn't like stoning California style. Okay, this is like rocks, not weed. Okay? And it's very possible that they caught this this couple having an affair in one of these tabernacle booths because that's the kind of the visiting group and there was all kinds of craziness going on during this time. But this was a setup. This was a setup to, to trap Jesus. Jesus is teaching and they interrupt the influencer to try and trap him into this, uh, <clears throat> into this situation. And um, what, what, what's it really interesting is when you're a judgmental person you kind of like to bring things to light so that you look good. Not, not a genuine concern for justice or a genuine concern for um, uh, the, the right thing. This was all about the Pharisees and the, the, the people of the law wanting to make a spectacle of Jesus and make themselves look good because Jesus was the influencer. They used to be. But Jesus became the influencer. He's the one that, that began to teach like teachers of the law should. He sat down in the temple courts and he began to teach. That's what, that's what the, the teachers of the law would do. And, they ta- and he taught with authority. This wasn't like somebody that's coming in and going, I have some ideas. Can I share them with you? I'd like to go through some philosophical things and see what you guys think. No, Jesus was in there going, this is the way. I am the way. The truth and the life. Just after this passage, he goes, "I am the light of the world," and so he's not coming in as some kind of just a little um, half-baked influencer. He is making a change, and these guys are here to change the perspective of who he is. I find it interesting that morality that flows from legalism is often impersonal; it's selective it's punitive and there's no concern for the person if you in your heart have no concern for those that you're worried about doing wrong then you might be a legalist you have more concern about what they're doing wrong than the heart that they're doing it with but morality that flows from grace salvages it saves it cares first for the person it's inclusive And it's redemptive. And so we find Jesus responding. So they ask the question, what would you do with this woman who was caught in the act of adultery? And Jesus bends down and started to write on the ground. So he bends down and he starts writing on the ground. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. But I kind of think he started writing the names of the girlfriends of the people, of the teachers of the law. I think there was something going on there. That, that's my imagination. That is not the gospel. I, no, I couldn't argue that to be absolutely true. Actually, most theologians believe that he actually started writing Jeremiah 17, 13. And Jeremiah 17, 13 says, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. So I think he may have kind of bent down. Of course, my idea was more fun. But J-E-R-E, and they start going, oh no, Jeremiah, (laughs) no, not that. And he starts writing in the dirt. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. They kept questioning him. Jesus, come on, give us an answer. What would you do with this woman? What, should we stone her? And the dilemma for Jesus, the way this trap works, is that if he said, yes, stoner, then all the people that he's loved on and given grace to up to that point is like, what? And if he says, don't, stoner, then he's like against the law and he's not for what's going on in the law. And so it's, it's kind of like this, you know, rock in a hard place kind of thing. And so he, he, he says, Okay, let's do this. I want you to judge your hearts first. I want you to tell me that you are so righteous, that you have no sin in your heart, that you are perfect and clean and pure, that you qualify as the judge. I think it's really important for you and me to hear this message that we must first judge ourselves before we ever try and judge anybody else. That's the lesson. It's part of the lesson of this story. When <laughs> uh, Matthew 7 says this in, in the Sermon on the Mount, it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use. I'll tell you what, I want to keep that bar as low as possible (laughs) right if you're going to be judged by the same measure that you judge others i just not judge at all because we want to keep that bar as low as possible and and the lower you keep it the better it says it it goes on to say why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Mm, Planks. Big boards. Dunk. Right there. Right in the way of seeing clearly to be able to even properly judge another person's speck, a little speck of dust. And I think we have to understand that we cannot be those people that are walking around with planks sticking out of our head, whacking people in the face, whole time trying to pick out the specks in their eyes and being judgy and, and, and raising the bar of judgment. Man, I want to keep that bar as low as we can. We must first judge ourselves. At this, those, and, and remember, he, he, he started writing again. I think he's finished either The Names of the Girlfriends or Jeremiah 17, 13. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, they're usually the wiser, Until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. I found it interesting that every single person here who judged themselves found themselves guilty. The truth is, so would I. Aside from Christ in my life and aside from the work that he did to forgive me of my sins and aside from this robe of righteousness that I wear, if I were to ever take that off, ugh, I have no room to judge anybody. I think that's the posture we need to take. I think it's the posture that we need to realize as we engage in this 1040 experience and this desire to invite and this understanding of realizing that we have to cross these comfort lines that we've lived in for so long is that we're not here to judge. We're only here to love and to help people understand who Jesus is and let him do the work John 16 says that Jesus will convict the world of their sin and we need to let him do that because we're not good at it. We're not good at pointing people's sin out and, and if we continue to do that, we become the judge and that's not the place that we are to hold. Only Jesus, the one who lived a life without sin, is able to throw any stones and still he does not. And so they all left. Jesus straightened up and asked her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. No one, sir, she said. What a relief that had to have been for her. What a relief that had to be for that moment where she's like going, when's the first rock gonna hit? This was like throwing stones, rocks, boulders. This is how they would treat people that got caught in their sin like that. They would throw rocks at them and and pretty soon those rocks would overcome them and knock them out and kill them. And she's waiting for that moment. She's waiting for that, that first person to throw that stone and just hit her in the head. And it didn't happen. Why? Because Jesus pointed to the accusers and said, if you are sinless, if you are righteous, if you will judge your own heart, I don't think you have any room to throw a stone. And it's true for us as we look into this culture and as we look into this community, we have to realize that we stand in the same bucket that everybody else does with the exception that we have already experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty of a relationship with Jesus. It's easier to love others through the lens of grace rather than through the lens of legalism. Hear that, it's easier to love others through the lens of grace rather than through the lens of legalism. Then Jesus says this crazy statement, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Repent, he said. That's what leaving your life of sin means. Turn around, walk the other way. Stop doing what you were doing. What a powerful statement. What a beautiful invite into the kingdom of God. What a beautiful moment that this woman experienced with Jesus. And what we want everyone in our life, in our circles of influence, to experience is this kind of love is this kind of moment, is this kind of opportunity to know that Jesus loves them so much that there's not a sin he won't cover. There's not a sin he won't grace, a sin he won't show mercy to. If you're here today and you came with this load of sin in your life, maybe whatever it may be, I don't want to list any sins. I would just want God's Spirit to speak to you but if you came loaded up today, it's time to turn it over to Jesus. It's time to give that sin up and let Jesus take that sin and do his work that he did on the cross and let the blood that was shed on the cross cover you. And of course, all of that is figurative, but let it cover you and he will cleanse you from your sin. The Bible says if you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all, all Say that with me. All unrighteousness. Oh, man. I've worked that one over. God's forgiven me of my sin. He'll forgive you of your sin. So let's go back to the question. Why is the unlikely more likely to be the experience for us when we love those around us? Because grace is about a gift given to the undeserving. Or the unlikely That's what it's all about That's what this story is about Jesus is telling us he loves us Jesus is telling us no matter what you've done He wants you to repent And forgive you of your sin And follow him And when we do When we walk away from that stuff We will experience life And life eternal And so here's what we can walk away with today no matter what you've done, there is grace to the repentant heart. No matter what sin you've cr- done, no matter what secrets you have in your life, no matter what, God is shining the light on your sin right now. He's doing the work. Not me, I'm, that's why I'm not naming anything. But God is working in you right now and telling you He loves you, He cares about you, and He wants you to know that whatever you're captive held captive by right now, that slavery to sin, you can release and say, Jesus, forgive me. And the Bible promises he will. And we walk away from that and we start walking in that other direction. That's a call to repentance. And the second takeaway from today is we must never allow a prejudice or a preference to get in the way of God's love, grace, and forgiveness. We must never allow our judgy heart, our preference, our, 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 our um, uh, prejudice, to get in the way from someone experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. God is going to push us all, church, out of our comfort zones and into places where it's going to take faith and trust and confidence that God is using us. He might take you to a place you're uncomfortable with. He might have you meet somebody that thinks very differently than you. All of these kinds of situations, it does not matter. The only thing that matters is that we be obedient and share Jesus with those people. Because that's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. That's what we're praying for. is opportunities to minister to 10 people and invite them to meet Jesus and invite them to church. On Easter Sunday I believe God's doing something miraculous I believe he's doing something powerful in us So that he can do something powerful in others And let's believe for that We must never allow a prejudice or a preference To get in the way of God's love, grace, and forgiveness It's a call to love the unlikely It's a call to love the unlikely The undeserving Those that, and it includes me, it includes you, because none of us have deserved the grace we've received and the mercy we've experienced. And so let's pray. Let's pray. And I want to first pray for those of you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. If you're online, I'm not going to ask you to respond online, but you can respond to God right now. Because right now it's release time. It's, it, maybe you identify with the woman at the, uh, 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 that was caught in adultery. You, you realize there's stuff in your heart that you need to get rid of. And God wants to set you free from it right now. Lord, I pray for those that are identifying this with this woman. Lord, that she sinned. she didn't even deny her sin she was told to go and sin no more and lord help us we confess it right now that we need your help we need your forgiveness of the sin that's in our heart and we need your strength to walk away from that sin and walk into the next life that you want for us which is a life of victory and freedom from that sin and so lord i pray right now in jesus name that you forgive us all of our weaknesses forgive us all for our sins and give us the strength to walk in the direction that you want us to walk in. And we will turn from that sin and, and sin no more. God, we need that. <laughs> the only way we can do that is with your strength and with your help, and we pray for that in Jesus' name. And you're here today, and the second call is simply this, is to love the unlikely. Look for that un- or- that out of the ordinary opportunity. Look for that person who you can't imagine would ever follow Jesus, but you know today God is calling you to lead them and pray for them so that they can experience the love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray right now for all of us that you would push us out of our comfort zones, help us to cross our, cult- our cultural comfort zones and reach those that you have put in our life, that you have put on our list to pray for. And help us, Lord, to rise up and love the unlikely and reach the unlikely and, and lead the unlikely to you. I pray, Father, for the power of your Holy Spirit to move in and through us, that we would see a great uh, harvest of souls and hearts, Lord, for your kingdom's sake, so that people would know you love them. I can't imagine how grateful and, and, and uh, uh, loving this, this woman became as a result of your forgiveness of her sin. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us become those instruments of grace in the lives of others. I thank you and I praise you for that. And I believe, God, that you're going to do amazing things amazing things through us. Maybe you're here today and you have not yet experienced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And today, all you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead and commit to follow him for the rest of your life. The Bible tells us if you do those things, that you are saved. You're on your way to heaven and you have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I just want to say this short prayer. I want you to repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I accept the forgiveness that you provide through the work on the cross, that you died for my sins, and that today, because of my confession, you are forgiving my sins, and I accept that forgiveness right now. And Lord, I believe that you were raised from the dead, and you are resurrected, and that promises me eternal life. And I thank you for that. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. And if you prayed that prayer, <laughs> woo! if you prayed that prayer, that's amazing. And we are so grateful that you did. And we just want you to do one thing for us, and that's fill out a connection card. Either here on site or online, fill it out and let us know that you made a choice today to follow Jesus. And we will help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited that God is doing something above and beyond. It's going to push us past our cultural norms, our comfort zones, and allow us the privilege of leading people to Jesus. And I'm very, very excited about that. So let's all be Jesus to this world this week. Let's continue to pray. If you don't have your card filled out or a card or a a resource sheet, then I encourage you to get that. You can get it online. You can get it um, here on site.